from the New Media Institute at the University of Georgia. Hello and welcome to the Georgia On Your Mind podcast, a series that explores the relationship between the state of Georgia and the university that lives within the heart of it. Each week, a new episode will die into an area that the state excels in and how the University of Georgia acts as a major contributor to that success. Georgia has produced some of the biggest movies and series of our generation. A lot of television is produced here. They are just breaking down the sets for Ozark. And a lot gets filmed in the Peach State. In 2019, the state filmed 399 productions, including movies, series, and music. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Erin Riney, and welcome to the final episode of Season 1 of the Georgia On Your Mind podcast. Bailey is joining me once again this week to talk about the film industry in the state of Georgia and the guests we got insight from for this topic. Hey guys, it's hard to believe that we're already at the end of season one, but we are so excited to share our final topic with you all, and that's film production. For this episode, we got to interview Daniel Sattemeyer from the Georgia perspective and Dr. Jay Hamilton from the UGA perspective. Over the past decade or so, Georgia has become a leading film destination for a variety of reasons, including ideal weather conditions, a variety of locations ranging from big cities to small towns, Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, and much more. According to the Savannah Area Chamber of Commerce, Georgia's film industry ranks number one globally in the production of top-grossing feature films, followed by the United Kingdom and Canada. It's also home to some iconic shows like Ozark and Lake Alatoona and Chateau Alain, Stranger Things in Jackson and Douglasville, and The Walking Dead in Atlanta and Sonoya. It is also home to Trilla Studios in Fayetteville, which serves as the home base for Marvel Productions filmed in Georgia. So our first guest is Daniel Sattemeyer, who graduated from UGA in 2008 with a degree in telecommunications, which has changed and evolved to be the entertainment and media studies major, commonly referred to as EMSC. He's currently a partner and head of creative at BarkBark, an entertainment and content studio right in the heart of Atlanta. Our next guest is Dr. Jay Hamilton, who graduated from the University of Washington with two degrees in communications and English, then a master's in communications, He then went on to earn a PhD from the University of Iowa in mass communications. He's currently the department head of the entertainment media studies major here at UGA. And he was also a professor of one or two of my classes since my major in undergrad was EMSC. So let's start by hearing what Daniel has to say about his career thus far and how he's seen the growth of the film industry in Georgia firsthand. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm very, very honored to be a voice on your podcast and be here with all the other great individuals who are talking about Georgia. Um, And also I'm getting a lot of street cred with my eight-year-old daughter, just as a side note. Uh, She's very into podcasters and YouTubers right now, Uh, really like Mr. Beast and guys who play Pokemon. Um, But the fact that I'm on a podcast was very exciting for her, so just don't tell her the difference. That's awesome. Love that. Yeah. I'm a UGA, proud UGA grad uh, from Grady College in 08, and I'm the head of creative here at BarkBark and one of the three owners. We are an entertainment studio and production company headquartered here in Atlanta. Uh, We have staff in LA and New York as well. And uh, we really specialize in making content for networks, streamers, brands, movie studios, and that takes the form of full-length episodic series, like we have some on ESPN, Disney+, Plus, AMC, and also documentaries, short-form branded content, commercials, trailers, key art, and promo campaigns. Uh, there's, there's a lot of diverse spaces that we play in. That's awesome. That's a, that's a wide range of uh, things you got to take care of. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your journey to this role, to Bark Bark, and uh, being head of creative here? So my journey into this role 
started right after graduating from Georgia in 2008, which was an interesting time. That was right at the start of the housing crisis and recession. So it was like, you know, kicked you out the door, have fun, good luck. I snuck in there kind of right before the big collapse, got a job and, and hung on. But it was actually a really good year for film in Georgia. And we'll get to that in a little bit. We didn't know it at the time, but that's kind of what we'll talk about later. Um, but anyway, I was just really taking any freelance role I could get, maybe at the point where you guys are at now. Anywhere I could get on a set, in a production office, be like a grip, a PA, assistant editor. I remember the first real thing I ever worked on was this HGTV show called Design to Sell. It's a relic, but it was hosted by John Gidding, who's amazing and still a good friend of mine. And he really like that whole, first of all, that whole crew was so welcoming, took me on. You know, I was just getting started. I actually got that role from another fellow UGA grad, Colin Hare, who was a year ahead of me, and he was working on the show and kind of helped me get that first start, gave me a call, went out, did my thing. But that led me to uh, starting at Bark Bark later that year. I was a PI on one of their sets. And then I actually became, when I started full-time at Bark Bark, I was an editor here. Um, so I did that for a long time uh, before I was creative director, writer, producer, director, all that stuff. And that really, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything because being an editor helped me see the story and what you really need to, to craft and put it together. I've always, just to back up, I've always been a creative at heart. I'm the head of creative here, but like I was always interested in creating and telling that story and how I could affect the story. After starting out as an editor and transitioning into roles within directing and producing, Daniel gained enough experience in all aspects of the production process to take over the business once the previous owners left. He did so with two of his colleagues, and over the last few years, the three of them have taken the business to new heights and produced shows for ESPN+, Disney+, and more, in addition to brand content, commercials, key art, and promo campaigns. All right, so you kind of touched or foreshadowed this a little bit, but film production has steadily grown over the past decade here. Um, well, not just the past decade, but over many yeah. years. In your opinion, what kind of, what's kind of led to that growth here and why has film production become um, a popular industry in Georgia? Yeah. So I, I teased this earlier, a uh, little storytelling technique to keep listeners on the edge of their seats. What's going to happen? Um, no, it's just that that year, 2008, that I was mentioning, which was crazy with the housing crash and recession, but it ended up being such an important year for Georgia and the film industry. And to answer your question, how has film production steadily grown in Georgia? In 2008, the state legislator passed the film tax credits, which we still have and enjoy today. They've changed and done a little bit over the years, but 2008, such a big year, and that's really the biggest, I think the biggest single reason for the film growth here was, I mean, what they passed is amazing. And 20% base tax credit for anything you shoot here that qualifies, uh, you have to hit a $500,000 minimum spend, but that's cumulative. So you can do five $100,000 shoots throughout the year and you hit it. Um, we, we crossed that threshold. A lot of companies come here to shoot that big Marvel movies, all that. Um, so you get 20% tax credit savings on anything you shoot here and you actually get 30%. You get an extra 10% if you add that Peach logo. Right, the Peach logo. You know, at the end. And that's like mm -hmm. put us on the map. Daniel went on to give us some pretty impressive stats regarding the film tax credit that was passed in 2008 in Georgia. Last year, Georgia set a new record with $4.4 billion, with a B, spent on TV and film production. This breaks down into over 400 productions spanning from feature films to commercials. And given that Bark Bark is directly affected by this tax credit, it has incentivized them to stay in Atlanta. Has the 
that tax incentive and other legislation kept Bark Bark in Atlanta, you think, versus maybe moving out to California or somewhere else? That's a really good question. And absolutely the reason that we and so many amazing small businesses are rooted here is a lot of it has to do with that tax legislation. But I do want to clarify that the tax legislation is the biggest catalyst and reason it's grown, but it couldn't happen in a vacuum. Like we have Georgia checks every other box for it to have grown like this. Like a lot of other states have, have done and tried this. And I know like there's a big film community in New Orleans and Louisiana at some point has had that North Carolina and Wilmington. That's like where Dawson's Creek was shot. That was their claim to fame um, has had these, but not in this since uh, big of a form, but what really has done it for Georgia is everything else. So you've got the tax credits, but like it has to be great to film here. We have moderate climate pretty much most of the year, even in the winters, it's very moderate. Um, a lot of sunny days, a lot of like there's a forest everywhere, but you can shoot in every environment here. So you can do mountains, forests, big city, small town, back roads, uh, go down to the beach and the coast and Savannah, which a lot of movies have done, all qualifies for that tax credits, right? In addition to the tax incentive that Daniel defends as the top contributor of the film industry's growth in the state of Georgia, there are a number of other contributing factors, including fast internet speeds and affordable cost of living. While these are not usually thought of first, they create the perfect storm that allows for this level of growth in such a short amount of time. It's a business-friendly state, uh, so you've got so much modern tech. Like, you just have all this infrastructure built here already of, like, we have, shout out, really good internet speeds, which matters with, like, transferring really huge files on, especially in the sort of remote world that we've hybridized into of, like, passing big files around climate, resources. You've got better cost of living here. Um, amazingly talented crew. So all these things kind of formed this perfect storm to make Georgia the place. So like you can have the tax credits, but like if nobody wants to film there, you're not going to get it. So I think that we've had that. And one, one more thing I'll say and give credit, uh, Governor Deal before Kemp, Governor Kemp, Lee Thomas, who's the director of the Georgia Film Office, what th they've done a really amazing job of making it profitable for the whole state with the tax credits. So... They've, they really encourage films and shows and everybody to shoot all over, not just Atlanta. Um, so I think everyone across the state has benefited. So it's not just like, oh, the Atlanta people are getting it and we're leaving everybody else out. So like everyone's had the chance to capitalize on that, not just the people in the big city, quote unquote. Um, so I think that was really important. And then also keeps the legis state legislature on board. So, you know, every couple of years they, they reevaluate these tax credits all the time. We're, we're sort of always dealing with that stress of like, are they going to change it or remove it? And, and thankfully, they see, you know, how important it is to the state and they keep that, keep that around. So something else that Daniel mentioned in his interview was people being excited when something was being shot in Georgia and wanting to show it off as a prime location because L.A. and New York have been the epicenters for so long. In addition, Georgia has recently claimed a new milestone for studio stage space with three million square feet. So when more projects are brought here, we are able to support them with the space and equipment needed. But if you want to expand just firsthand working at Bark Bark, seeing how, whether production studios are more and more willing to come to Georgia to shoot or um, what that experience is like, convincing someone like, hey, let's do the shoot in Georgia over somewhere in LA or anything like yeah. that. Having people come to shoot in Georgia is a, is a, a fun circumstance that we face a lot, um, but it's not stressful and I don't think we find a lot of pushback again like I said before unless there's some really specific reason to need to be in 
LA or like we shoot with Reed Drummond a lot. She has that ranch in Oklahoma on Food Network. She's like the Food Network chef, uh, owns a lot of land. Like we have to go there to her ranch. But if there's not an overwhelming reason, we're going to always tell them like you can get so much more bang for your buck here in Georgia. You can do the same shoot for probably 20% less here and it's the same quality and you have all the same resources. And that's what I've seen firsthand is 10 years ago, you just didn't have the like, if you wanted big filming equipment, like a huge crane or, you know, just like really big stuff to pull off whatever you needed to do, you'd have to fly that in or bring that in from LA and New York, even, you know, maybe Miami 10 years ago. And now this growth has seen all these businesses really take root here where you have like uh, rental equipment houses, catering production offices, wardrobe and prop houses, these huge equipment companies who can give you whatever you need. Um, you know, we were with Commander a lot, who Mark Dobiecki, who who ran and founded that, and he was a DP for years, good friend. But there's so many just like that Cinelease and everything that's here, PC&E, um, that like started and really fed off how much was here. And it's just like, it stayed, it sustained. Um, and it's been really amazing to see. You see like entire communities being built. It's wild. We are going to take a short break now, but when we come back, we are going to learn more about the Entertainment and Media Studies program at UGA from department head Dr. Jay Hamilton and how it, along with access to external resources like Athena Studios, prepares students for a successful career in this industry. Now, let's hear what Dr. Hamilton had to say about his role at the University of Georgia and how his prior experience led him to this position. Introduce who you are and what you do here at the University of Georgia. Sure. Um, my name is Jay Hamilton. I'm currently the head of the Department of Entertainment and Media Studies and director of the New Media Institute here at uh, the University of Georgia. Great. Can you kind of tell us a, a little bit about your journey towards becoming department head here and your time at Georgia? To coin a phrase, it was a long and winding road. Um, prior, to, I've been in this position, this is my seventh year, if I'm counting right. Prior to getting here, for a good 15 years, I was a faculty member in the Department of Advertising Public Relations. So I was on the second floor, and I was teaching courses in creative development, creative strategy. And uh, Prior to this, uh, I'm not going to go back too far, uh, but prior to this, I was teaching for five years at a, a uh, liberal arts campus in the State University of New York system uh, in Western New York State. So I've been around a while and kind of fell into this, but I'm really enjoying it. As head of the EMST program, Dr. Hamilton has the great responsibility of making sure the curriculum is up to par, staying in touch with alumni, and partnering with organizations that have something valuable to offer students but we'll let him tell you the specifics behind each of these. Can you kind of summarize your responsibilities as department head here? What are your like main priorities and main goals as department head? Yeah. There's really three main goals. One goal is to ensure the quality of the curriculum. So I, it's my responsibility to make sure we offer uh, high quality relevant classes to help arrange faculty who can teach those classes and to help students move through that curriculum so that they can graduate in a timely way, in a way that they're expecting. So that's kind of number one. Number two is to try to continue to develop resources in a broader scale that help me do that first goal. And that really requires two things. One is to foster and continue to grow our alumni base. Uh, 
We have alums that are all over the world doing incredible stuff. And it's been my task since I've been in that chair position now, it's been my task to find out about them, to reach out to them and to engage them in a variety of ways that are consistent with how they want to help participate. But that's where the real wealth is of the alumni base. It's just a fabulous bunch of people. Um, to also help do that, too, it's my job to keep an eye out for good collaborations uh, that we don't have quite yet. So this would mean, for example, uh, getting to know and to work with outside companies uh, in ways that would benefit our students as well as that company. So, for example, just last Friday, I was out at uh, the offices of the United Talent Agency, which just opened an office last year in Atlanta. And that's, of course, one of the three major talent agencies in the world. They reached out to us. We've been working with them for the past couple of years, but we sat down there and got a tour of their new space out there, which is just a mind blower. And um, it's our job to figure out, my job to work with them, to figure out how we can work with each other to benefit each other. So those are kind of the three main things on my plate. According to their website, Athena Studios is a brand new state-of-the-art soundstage development with 200,000 square feet of space built for TV and film production. It is the first of its kind in Athens, and given its proximity to the University of Georgia, an immense amount of resources, it will play a crucial role in giving students, specifically those in the EMST program, valuable hands-on learning experience. As far as the construction of like new film studios, even Athena down the road here, you kind of touch on how that opens more opportunities for either UGA students or just the state of Georgia in general. Sure. So how the Athena Studios in particular opens up additional opportunities for our program and for students is a great question because what it does, we already have that little, um, uh, what we call affectionately a uh, teaching soundstage down room 144 down in the basement. And that's, that's a great to kind of set up and kind of get a feel. But of course, you know, it's so far smaller than what a commercial soundstage is. So what the Athena building uh, that we're going to have access to will help us do. It's going to help us do two things. One is that it's going to help us collaborate with uh, the Department of Theater and Film Studies because that is where on campus courses in set design, set construction are taught. Now, of course, they've been focusing on live theater sets but it's an easy pivot for them to start to talk about uh, filming theater and sets. So one, it's going to help us build the collaboration there. Two, it's going to help us create a facility for our EMST students to be able to use to film their own productions. I don't think we're going to be teaching much classes out there just because of the transit time. If someone's trying to make a class on campus, doesn't make any sense. But what it's going to do, what I, what I have in mind is to have already built in, through our collaboration, built three kind of generic sets in that big space. Maybe it's a generic office, maybe it's a bedroom, maybe it's a kitchen. I'm not sure what the three are. We're going to have to figure that out. But to have a modular and easy to update and rejig, depending on the kind of feel that the particular filmmaker wants. And then I want to have a sign-in sheet, and I want to have those available for students when they're shooting their films um, for either uh, capstone or directing or whichever one, have those available for them to go out and have them ready to be able to use. And so it's going to enlarge in so many ways the kind of, I think, stories that our students are going to be able to shoot and make them, in a lot of ways, a little bit 
able to do a little bit more sophisticated visual storytelling that will only enhance their success that they've already had. So being a UGA grad himself, Daniel previously gave us a little bit of insight into how UGA contributes to the film industry in Georgia, but Dr. Hamilton has some great insight of his own. One thing he mentioned is the Entertainment and Media Industries Club, which bonds students over a shared love of TV and film and helps recruit for the major. Talking about how UGA directly impacts the film industry, can we talk about all the different opportunities that UGA offers its students apart from uh, maybe Athena. Um, what does UGA offer here on campus for its students? There's at least, I guess I'm in number two. There, so things here that really are compelling for film students. There's at least two. I'm, I'm thinking in groups of two. One is uh, the presence of the Entertainment Media Industries Club. This is a club, as you're probably aware, but anyway... Uh, it's a club right now that has more than 400 members. This is something that you don't need to be a major to belong to. People can get involved their first day here as, as first-year students. Um, and it's fabulous for getting to already shrink the size of campus down to something that's interpersonally manageable. You start to meet people and you get friends and you already have kind of a shared interest in film and television stuff. So you already got a basis to have friends and stuff. But it's also, of course, uh, a way to get hooked in really early to working on sets for advanced student films and stuff. Because we do the Pitch Fest every, every semester and students who are brand new, they are interested, they have no experience, gain experience. It's great. Meet people. So the club is, I think, a really unique thing. It also helps us, of course, uh, recruit really effectively for the major. It helps get our name out. It lets students know from early on. Okay, this does exist. I've had a lot of students come to me and say, I had no idea this exists. So that's one good thing. The other thing that really, I think, sets apart this location for film and television visual narrative from other programs, and there's a ton of other programs that are all really good, is that uh, this program and the emphasis here combines two things that are typically held separately. On one hand, we know, like, for example, Emory University has a great film studies department. I mean, you're in a classroom, you're doing really in-depth analyses of films, you're understanding filmic language and visual narrative theoretically and all that. It's fabulous. In addition to the Entertainment and Media Industries Club, Dr. Hamilton also mentioned the emphasis that the EMST program places on both the visual narrative and the actual execution, not just one or the other. In other words, crafting the story is just as important as telling it. The other kind of form is very different. It's a hands-on film program, a production program, such as what's Kennesaw State. You know, you sit down, you learn how to run a camera, set up lights, so on and so on. Both of these are super valuable, but you know what? On their own, they're just part of the picture. We put those two together, not only as separate tracks, but we interleave both of those, as obviously you know. So the innovation in visual narrative comes from people knowing how to think about it. Not just knowing how to do it, but how to think about it and consider and reconsider what they're doing. That's where the innovation is. So we like to think of ourselves as innovative in making that kind of uh, emphasizing that it's part of the production process to talk about it, to think about it, to, to innovate with it too. And using the kind of academic and theoretical stuff that helps. Um, part of that, too, that's unique about the program here, I'd argue, is that this is a campus that's populated by a faculty that are international leaders in their fields. 
So whether it's history, whether it's sociology, whether it's social work, whether it's uh, biology, it doesn't matter. And our students who are putting together visual narratives are taking courses from them. And this advanced coursework from such hugely renowned faculty feeds into the kind of stuff that they do. So the very often the scripts that are in, you know, all this, but the scripts that our students do very often, well, you know, sometimes they're about the crazy antics of them and their roommates on a weekend, you know, road trip somewhere. But other times they're really insightful, interesting uh, pieces of work that draw on all this advanced coursework they do um, to really um, build much more uh, deeply the kind of uh, in-depth storytelling that really matters. It's not just a cool story. It really has some substance to it. Outside of Athena Studios, the Georgia Film Academy is another external resource that UGA students have access to that provides professional training, regardless of if you're an EMST major or not. Can we kind of touch on the Georgia Film Academy and the partnership that UGA has with that and setting students up to learn on set at those film studios? Yeah, about the Georgia Film Academy and how we work with it. Uh, here's another two. We work with it in two primary ways, uh, undergraduate level and the graduate level. At the undergraduate level, um, what the Georgia Film Academy does, um, its general remit, of course, is to help train below-the-line workers for onset production. That's what its remit is. On the undergraduate level, what it does is provides courses to UGA students uh, who are interested in at least finding out about what onset production is like. What do you do? And to students who otherwise would not have access to that. So if you're majoring in sociology or English or comparative literature or something, yeah, you don't have access to the MST courses, but this would be a way conceivably if you can fit it in, you'd be able to have access and gain that uh, experience. So that's one thing that it does here. Um, and one way that we re relate to it is that it provides a way for UGA students to teach, to take those courses. At the graduate level, of course, they're one of our partners in uh, the MFA in film production, film and television production that is brand new. This is the third year that it's been going. And so they're one of the partners for us that provide us with access to uh, equipment down at Fayetteville across control of the studios as well as some teaching faculty, uh, too. So they're instrumental in helping us uh, execute this program, too. There's no denying that the film industry in Georgia has experienced a tremendous amount of growth in recent years, and it's not seeming like it's going to slow down anytime soon. Our guest's thoughtful answers and explanation allowed us to gain insight into what makes Georgia an ideal place to film, from the tax credits to the wide range of settings. And of course, how UGA takes advantage of both internal and external resources to develop the next group of industry professionals. This was one of the episodes I was looking to forward the most because my entire undergrad experience revolved around entertainment and media studies mm -hmm. and learning about the film industry and learning f about it from U UGA. Got to learn just how big Georgia is. Growing up, you didn't, I didn't really have a good sense of how big film was growing in the state of Georgia. You know, you have these big titles like Walking Dead or Stranger Things that I would hear about, um, you know, on Netflix and like uh, read news articles like, oh, that was filmed in near Atlanta or um, some other shows filmed near Savannah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of 
crazy that this isn't common across other states. Um, and I think it's in large part due to that tax credit, mm-hmm. which uh, was a big sticking point through my classes um, that this tax credit has really allowed film to grow in the way it has here in Georgia. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't have the same background that Bailey had because I studied advertising. We were in the same, mm-hmm. the same college at UGA, just not within the same major. But I would always, you know, watch those shows and movies growing up where at the end of it, you would see the Georgia Peach logo and you would be like, oh my God, that whole thing was filmed in Georgia. Like I had no idea. That's so cool. Because like, I think it was Daniel who mentioned, you know, New York and LA have been you know, where a lot of this pre-production, post-production has happened that Mm -hmm. seeing it come to Georgia when we're not used to that has been really, really cool. Um, And something else, I I think it was Daniel again, who said that one of the reasons why Georgia is such an ideal place to film is you can get, of course, the big city shots. If you film in Atlanta, but you can also get the small towns and everything in between. So no matter what you're looking for, Georgia has something for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember in one of our interviews, I can't remember which I brought up, um, I saw this clip from Baywatch mm-hmm. and they filmed a portion of that movie on Tybee Island. And I found it hilarious that I saw Zac Efron steal someone's moto- moped and drive it across the Tybee <laughs> pier just to make this dramatic, like jumping off the moped into the water to save someone as a lifeguard or whatever. But yeah. I thought it was just hilarious because it's in the story. It's not set in Tybee, obviously. I think it's somewhere in Florida or maybe California coast. But uh, seeing that uh, on film, because I remember when um, they filmed in that area, there was news about it and whatnot. But seeing it on screen and like, I don't know, it's wild to see. I haven't seen that clip, but I I need to go look it up after this and see it. Because I think I mentioned in the last episode that I went to Tybee for spring break and we went to that pier. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to need to look it up and and see the clip because that definitely sounds interesting. And even um, somebody had mentioned that um, some scenes from Baby Driver were filmed in Atlanta. So it's crazy to be watching, you know, Baywatch or Baby Watch. Baby Driver or some of those other movies and seeing things that you recognize in the background and especially if they're trying to play it off as something else it's just kind of wild to see yeah, yeah. Um, but special thank you to both Daniel Saddlemeyer and Dr. J Hamilton for being our guests for this episode we had a great time talking with both of you learning about your expertise within the industry so thank you so much for your time and for answering all of our questions of course And thank you to our audience for sticking with us through season one. It's been a great learning experience, um, but we really enjoyed creating this podcast. We really hope you enjoyed listening to it and hopefully you learned something new. But we do have one more thing for you guys. Tune in next week as we recap the entirety of season one and our plans for the future. So we'll see you next week. Sounds good. All right. See you all. From the New Media Institute at the University of Georgia, thank you for listening to the Georgia On Your Mind podcast, a series that explores the relationship between the state of Georgia and the university that lives within the heart of it. Tune in next week as we recap season one.